Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday afternoon edition of Bill Allen's Facebook Studies. We are working through the book, the daily devotional book by Oswald Chambers. It's a classic, my utmost for his highest. And I don't know if you've been reading through this book, but I got to say he comes from a different perspective than I do a lot of the time. He is a kind of a, a reformed, very traditional um, Protestant uh, uh, scholar. And uh, his approaches are a little bit different from mine, but boy, he offers some wonderful gems. And today we're looking at three days of reading. It's a daily devotional book, so you get a little bit each day. And um, I really enjoy uh, getting to read through this. I've read through it before, but it's been a long time ago. So I'm glad that uh, we're doing that together during this calendar year. Uh, today's readings are from April uh, the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd or so, something like that. And uh, they they uh, have to do with intercession. And I suppose you know what it means to intercede for someone. You're speaking on their behalf. You're trying to help them in some way or another, interceding for them. The idea of intercession is uh, interceding. And, um, and so as we look through these few days of readings, they all really involve in some way or another that idea of intercession. And where it begins is in Romans 8, which is the right place to begin, right? Um, because there's a couple of scripture passages in there that I think are significant, and I may just read several of them. Uh, in Romans 8, uh, starting in verse, uh, let's start with verse um, 22. How about that? I uh, use this passage of scripture for a funeral sermon. And I think that that's a, a, a very encouraging uh, word in Romans chapter 8. I've used it for several. Uh, starting in verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that, built, that will be revealed in us. That's a great, great passage. And then uh, skip down to verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And you say, well, Bill, that doesn't say anything about intercession. Well, hang on, hang on, he's about to. But first of all, that, uh, that establishes the need. For intercession. I mean, if everything was going swimmingly for us, we wouldn't need anyone to intercede for us. But the truth is, that's not the case. We live in a world that's groaning, uh, waiting for its redemption. Our physical bodies are groaning, waiting for redemption. And our spiritual selves are groaning, waiting for the redemption that comes for eternity in the presence of God because of the blood of Jesus that forgives us of our sins. He paid the debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay, that familiar song says. And that's exactly what happened. So having established the need for that intercession, Paul goes on in Romans 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. An earlier edition of the NIV said, uh, through groans that words cannot convey something like that. Uh, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So our souls, our spirit, that is our eternal nature, 
communicates with God's Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, the indwelling of the Spirit. And then that Holy Spirit speaks, I've heard it said before, in spirit language uh, to the Father, takes those groanings that we don't even have words for, human words can't convey, to the very throne of, of the Father. Um, and, and so the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is interceding for us. But you go down a little bit more, and in verse 31 of Romans 8, it says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? In other words, he's already given us the best he had to offer. Why would he hold anything else back? If God is not going to hold back his own son, then, of course, he'll give us everything. Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. So God is the one that would be the answer to that question. And then verse 34, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And then the rest of that passage says, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, because he has made us more than conquerors. But we see from these words in uh, Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express, wordless groans. But Jesus Christ himself is also interceding for us before the Father. I'll be doing some preaching from Job later this year, and, and Job was always wanting to have someone who could uh, be his advocate to the Father. And he was looking for that redeemer, and he, he, he found no one. He could find no one, but we have Jesus Christ. And Job ultimately was able to have that hearing with God, but it went a lot different than what he had anticipated. Um, another passage in, in Hebrews chapter 7, um, starting in verse 23, Now there have been many of those priests, priests in the Jewish law, since death presented, prevented them from continuing in office. They would be a priest and up until they died, and then they would no longer obviously hold that office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. The theme of Hebrews, if you've probably heard me speak about Hebrews, you know this, is Jesus is better. Better covenant, better promises, better, um, better uh, high priest, better priesthood, all of those things. Um, and then verse 25, therefore he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. What a great statement. Jesus lives. That He's never died. That means his priesthood continues. And that the role of the priest was to intercede for the people. In the Old Testament, many religions uh, may have a priesthood today. First Peter speaks of the priesthood of believers. We are all priests before God. We don't need anyone to intercede for us because we have Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit. But the role of the priesthood in the Old Testament was to intercede uh, for in behalf of the people by offering up sacrifices and prayers uh, to God. Uh, we have that eternal priesthood. Uh, ourselves and we go directly to the Father through the Holy Spirit because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who lives to intercede for us. Um, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. 
Jesus makes intercession for us. And so the work of intercession is very vital and significant. Um, but we have to be in a place of worship, uh, Oswald Chambers says, if we are going to be aware of that. Uh, and that means that we must put a stop to the distractions that take us away from the throne of God, that take us away from serving obediently in the presence of the Father. That's what priests do. And the one who intercedes for us does that. And we give him our worship. If our minds are taken off him and put on something else, uh, then we realize we're not ready to do that interceding. And we're not ready to accept his intercession. Uh, if a burden and its resulting pressure come upon us while we're not in the attitude of worship, it will only produce a hardness toward God and despair in our own souls. Uh, that's what Job experienced. He, he had a lot to learn, and he was looking for someone to intercede for him, and he could find no one. His friends were no help. His theology was no help. His understanding of God was no help because it was wrong. And now he, he didn't know what to do, and what he learned was God can be trusted even when he can't be understood. And so the answer to that is worship. We worship God. When God comes on the scene, he closes his mouth, and then he hits him with a second barrage of questions, and Job says, I repent in dust and ashes. Uh, the right response to God is worship. It's penitence first and worship and praise. And so we seek to, um, to be right with God and to be in that proper place so that we may participate in the intercession of our Lord and of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's interesting that Chambers brings up in this during these few days of readings the story in Acts chapter 9 of Saul of Tarsus who had become Paul the Apostle but before that time he had that Damascus Road experience he described Luke describes the narrative in Acts 9 and then Paul tells the story again himself in Acts 22 and Acts 26 as he's defending himself before first the Jews and then um, the uh, Roman leaders and and, he, and in that story, it's Ananias who comes uh, to Saul of Tarsus. And, uh, and he tells him, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you, appeared to me also, and has sent me so that you may receive your sight. And he's also sent me, Ananias says, to tell you about what's in store for you. Um, it's, it's not going to be pretty. You're going to be going to the Gentiles and the Jews and and you're going to suffer a lot for this one that you've brought so much suffering on, his followers. Uh, but Ananias also had been sent to Saul of Tarsus to baptize him. And so in Acts 22, verse 16, as Paul recounts the story, Ananias tells him, What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. We call upon the name of the Lord by, being, by the response of faith. And that response includes being obedient by being baptized into Jesus Christ for forgiveness of our sins. That's what Ananias told Saul of Tarsus. Even though Saul had been praying and fasting for three days, even though Saul had seen the resurrected Lord, I mean, the guy believed for sure, and he repented. He'd been praying and fasting for three days, and yet Ananias said, your sins still need to be washed away. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized so that that can happen. Um, that's the job of the intercession. That's the job of the one who intercedes. And that's what Ananias did for Paul. 
to, so that he could receive his sight, so that he could hear the call of God, so that he could be baptized into Jesus Christ and have his sins washed away. Uh, we are called to be spiritual, called to have that mind of worship, not necessarily always directly worshiping God as if we're always praying or always singing or always reading the Bible, but having that heart that's given over to God. Paul in Colossians 3 talks, says everything that you say and everything that you do uh, should be done to honor Jesus Christ, should be done in his name out of a heart of gratitude uh, to the Lord. Uh, those are the things that that we try to do. And then finally, um, in recounting that uh, triumphant, triumphal entry, <laughs> I'll get it out as we call it, Jesus going into Jerusalem for the last time. And we, uh, many celebrated this past Sunday, Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday that Jesus arrives into the city and people put their coats down, uh, put branches down, palm leaves down, anything they could find uh, underneath the donkey or colt that Jesus was riding because uh, they they were worshiping him so sincerely that even uh, the beast's feet should not be touching uh, the dirt under underneath where Jesus was riding. And that was a great thing if only that had stayed, but it didn't. As Jesus was entering the city, uh, he said, if only you had known um, uh, who it is that comes to you, uh, the things that make for your peace. If only you had known those things, but now they're hidden from your eyes. He told the, the women who were crying for him, don't, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves. Because you, you can't see the one who is interceding. And what a tragedy. What a tragedy. They gave in to the pride and the power of the Pharisees and the other religious leaders stirring up the crowd so that they could put this man to death who was their enemy, who was one who sought to bring them the true word of God in truth and grace. John says Jesus came and Jesus himself says that he came in truth and grace. He described the religious leaders as, as a cemetery. Whitewashed tombs look great on the outside, beautiful, but Boy, you wouldn't want to go digging underneath the ground level. And that's what Jesus asks. He says, look, I'm trying to intercede for you. I've sent my Holy Spirit to intercede for you. I've given you my word, the word of God. And yet you refuse to see. Chambers asks, what is it that blinds you to the peace of God in this your day? As Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he said, you've been blinded. You can't even see it. If only you had seen that I'm here to make intercession for you. I've sent my Holy Spirit to make intercession for you. Um, if only you had known, Jesus said, what makes for peace. Uh, Chambers writes, God's words here cut directly to the heart with the tears of Jesus behind them. These words imply responsibility for our own faults. God holds us accountable for what we refuse to see or unable to see because of our own sin. And now, Jesus said, they are hidden from your eyes because you've never completely yielded your nature to him. Oh, the deep, unending sadness for what might have been. That's what Jesus was feeling as he came into town that day. That great, utter sadness of what could have been, what might have been, but instead they nailed him to a cross. 
but God raised him from the dead. This Sunday is Easter Sunday. What a great day that is. And of course, we don't know it's the exact uh, uh, time. We do know that it was, um, it was that Sunday. It was the Sunday of Passover weekend. And so Jesus, is, his resurrection is celebrated every single Sunday uh, by uh, looking into his word and singing songs of praise to him and praying to the Father through this one who makes intercession uh, for us, partaking of the Lord's Supper, which reminds us of his death, burial, and resurrection every single Sunday, uh, being challenged to give, being challenged to obey, to live according to the word and will of God. I hope that's what you do this Sunday on Easter Sunday. I hope that's what you do every Sunday, either live or online. And I hope that you realize that this one who came and lived and died and rose from the grave for you lives to make intercession for you and has given of his Holy Spirit into our lives so that the Spirit can hear our wordless groans and carry them to the very throne of God. May God bless you and give you a good next few days, and I look forward uh, to seeing you in the Psalms on Thursday. God bless.